Hello, I'm Eric Lacasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today we'll be finishing up by speaking about Passover, and then we'll be moving on to the other spring feasts of the Lord in our next episodes. Stick around for some hope, healing, and maybe even some laughs. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Today is March 15th, 2021, and it has been quite a crazy weekend in our home. Our third child had her 14th birthday yesterday, and so I have been very busy making ice cream cakes and getting my house clean because we're also refinancing our home, which entails us having to get uh, an appraisal done on our house, which means they need pictures of the inside of our house. And um, obviously I don't want it to look like there's actually six people living here. Although right now, technically, yeah, it is six people. So let's move on to Passover. Um, It is coming up, not this weekend, but the next weekend. Um, I know our synagogue is going to be celebrating on the 26th of March, I believe, which is a Friday night. We'll, We'll be having a Passover Seder meal on Passover. And I also wanted to clarify something last week. I I made quite a faux pas. I said something along the lines of Passover lasts until uh, Pentecost, which is six weeks later. That's not at all what I actually meant. I think I was thinking like, you know, all of these spring feasts lead up to um, Shavuot or uh, Pentecost. But uh, clearly it was a mistake on my part. So I do want to apologize for that. So let's go ahead and dive into Passover. Um, It's not just a day, it's a meal. So we celebrate Passover mainly by having a meal. And typically you have it with like-minded believers with an understanding um, that whether or not they are messianic or simply just followers of Jesus, um, you come together and you learn more about him, and you also commemorate the time of uh, the Hebrews and what they went through in Egypt. Um, and then you have what's called a Seder. So Passover Seder means, Seder itself means an order of events, which is why you typically have a Haggadah, which is a booklet that has all the readings for the Seder in it. So the dinner has an order of events, and the Haggadah is the booklet that has the order of the Seder. So it's like a program. So when you go and see like a play or something and they have different aspects of it, you would see, okay, this is the part where this person comes out and does this scene. So it's the same thing with Passover. You have different portions of it and it's really helpful to have the Haggadah. It's not necessary. Like, you know, it's not, it's not commanded in the Bible. Like, Hey, you have to have this thing. It, there are, The beauty of Passover is you can make it as simple or as intricate as you want. Um, There are some things that I'm going to go over that are traditional, strictly traditional in the sense that it is not commanded. We are not um, commanded to do certain things for the Passover. And yet on the other side of the coin, we definitely are commanded to do certain things. So I'll try to be more clear about that when we go over it. Um, The meal is a lot, um, is geared and should be geared more towards the children. Whatever kiddos you happen to have at the meal, it should be geared towards them. Satyrs are typically are a long meal and you want to help uh, them to stay involved and um, interested in what it is that you're talking about. One of the places I would actually encourage you to go to, it's a great resource, not only for Passover, but 
Um, she just has a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal resources on her page. Um, it's called Taurus Sisters. Um, dot org, I believe. And it is just, it's great. She actually has a free Passover package um, that you can actually check out for your children. And there's like little things that they can color. It's actually TorahSisters.com. I apologize. So it's TorahSisters.com. And they have a lot of great resources when it comes to um, everything Messianic. But also, um, she even has like a coloring book, a Torah, Torah coloring book. But um, she has a lot of free resources. And some things um, do actually cost some money. But she has like a Torah portions you could print out. She has a printed pr prayer journal um, that has just some lovely um, illustrations on it that you can print out. That's free. Um, yeah, Passover kit. Um, you can basically download this Passover kit. And it's free. And it has a Haggadah. Um, and you could change it to however you want. Um, you have her checklist, which you get the actual checklist that you that she uses to prepare for Passover. Um, you can. She also has invitations, so you can invite uh, you can invite people and mail it to your guests. They have a ten plagues craft to use during the telling of the Exodus story. So these are things that you give to the younger kids who obviously don't have that long of an attention span. Um, and a busy book for three to five year olds from Bible Pathway Adventures. Um, so it's it's a really cool, um, neat thing to do. It's free. Um, once again, it's TorahSisters.com. She's just a really great uh, woman of God, and she definitely has a, a lot of really wonderful resources. And a lot of it is free. So please, I encourage you to go check out her website. And the food. Let's talk about the food for Passover. So some people eat lamb. We do, but a lot of people um, don't feel that it's necessary um, because Yeshua is our Passover lamb. So because he's our Passover lamb, we don't need to eat lamb. We choose to. It's one of the few times in the year that we actually splurge and buy some lamb and eat it. We actually do enjoy eating lamb, um, but you don't have to do that. You don't. It's not necessary. Some um, cook a brisket. Um, we did that one year because we had a lot of people at our Passover and brisket feeds a lot of people. Um, or you could just have chicken. I think that that's actually what we're going to be having at our Passover Seder at our synagogue. So, um, make sure the food obviously is biblically clean. See Leviticus 11. Um, and by that, I mean like, you know, you're not going to have ham at Passover that, um, <laughs> you trying to honor the Lord by honoring him, by following and, doing these, uh, celebrating these feasts of the Lord, it's not really honoring him if you go against some of his other commands in the Bible. <laughs> Anyways, um, obviously you don't have leaven or yeast in it. So don't like have bread rolls at your Passover. You have, um, you can make your own matzah. Pinterest is a really great resource there as well. They have a lot of different um, recipes there. Um, I know my book that I always go back to, The Celebrating Our Messiah and the Festivals by Susan Mortimer, actually has a recipe for making your own matzah or unleavened bread. Or you could just go to the store and buy some matzah. That's typically what we do. It just makes our life a lot simpler. And um, because a lot of times we are so busy with the spring cleaning, at least I am, that I really don't have the time to make my own matzah. So... 
matzah is one of those things, or unleavened bread is one of those things that we are commanded to eat during this time because it 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 goes right flows right into the feast of unleavened bread, which is literally the next day. So the other thing that we eat, which is traditional, it's not commanded, is haroset, which is um, it, it represents the mortar that the Israelites used to make bricks while they were slaves. And quite frankly, it's probably the tastiest thing on the plate for the Seder, at least in my opinion. It's apples and nuts and honey. And um, some people have like a date paste in it. Once again, check out Pinterest. There are a lot of different ways that you can make haroset. Um, I really enjoy it. The next thing that you um, have typically on a Passover at a Passover Seder is bitter herbs. That's another thing that we're commanded to eat during this time. It's um, from Exodus 12, 8 that says they're to eat the meat that night roasted over a fire with matzah and bitter herbs. They are to eat it. Typically for uh, bitter herbs, we use horseradish um, because it's extremely bitter and um it's probably my least favorite, but it represents the bitterness of Egyptian slavery. So for me, it's a really good bitter herb to have uh, while you're having Passover because it's not something that you necessarily enjoy, but it's there to remember. My husband, on the other hand, loves horseradish. So more, tar- uh, more power to you, babe, but uh, that's definitely not my forte. The other thing that you um, you traditionally have is the carpas or the greens. Um, we use parsley or celery. Um, in rabbinic tradition, the greens represent life. Before we eat the greens, we dip them into salt water, representing the tears of life. We do this to remind us that the lives of the Israelite slaves were immersed in tears. By dipping, we are also reminded that a life without redemption is a life drowned in tears. Um, another resource that I use for this podcast, which I found is actually a really good resource in a lot of ways. Um, once again, any resources I tell you to go check out, you know, take it with a grain of salt, you know, ask God to give you discernment on what is right and what is not acceptable to him. Um, but this resource that I use for this particular podcast mainly is actually jewsforjesus.org. And um, they had a really good, inf- a lot of good information in here because not only are they having the messianic perspective, but they have the Jewish perspective as well. So it's really great. Um, the unleavened bread that is also commanded is Exodus 12, eight again, you know, cause it tells you, you were to eat the meat um, that night roasted over a fire with matzah and bitter herbs there to eat it. So um, it's the last of the three items commanded for the Passover. Um, it's typically called matzah. In rabbinic tradition, the unleavened bread recalls the haste with which the Israelites fled Egypt. The Israelites couldn't wait for their bread to rise. So we recall the escape from Egypt for the seven days of Passover as it is tradition to abstain from leaven. In Messianic tradition, Yeshua equates the matzah with his body as the last, um, with his body at the Last Supper with his disciples in Luke twenty two nineteen. He broke the bread, afikomen, and distributed it to his disciples, saying, "This is my body, which is broken for you." First Corinthians eleven twenty four. Um, matzah is used commonly as a communion element to remember Yeshua's sacrifice. I know that that's what we use in our synagogue when we have communion. We have it typically the first of the month, every month, and we use matzah. The matzah is meant to remind us that Yeshua's body was broken. During Passover, we also point out the modern way of making matzah causes it to be striped and pierced. 
we see this as a kind of visual midrash, which is an, inter uh, is an interpretation that reminds us that Messiah's body was stripped, was striped and pierced, which you'll find in Isaiah 53, 5, in Zechariah 12, 10, and Revelation 1, 7. Just as leaven causes bread to rise, sin puffs us up. The matzah tosh, which is a special pouch with three compartments for each of the three pieces of matzah, is just something that you have for Passover. Typically for us, in fact, we don't have one of those in our home. So if we're doing it in our home, uh, we use paper towel <laughs> and we kind of make it different layers for that. So don't think that you have to like go out and buy all these specialty things. I know there's actually, um, they sell Passover Seder plates. We have been celebrating probably for seven years now, and we still don't have a Passover Seder plate. Um, one of the other things that you'll see on a Seder plate that they have a spot for is an egg. Now, I'm not actually going to go over the egg, typically because we as a family choose not to use the egg. It is not something that is commanded to have um, for your Seder. And um, there are some rabbinic traditions around it. However, we find that in our family, at least, that it's not necessarily a good tradition because it comes a little too close to Easter and the bunny rabbit and the eggs. And if you do your research on the actual um, origins of why there are eggs with Easter, um, you find that you don't really necessarily want that as a representation for Yeshua in any way, shape, or form. Um, obviously, we eat eggs. We have chickens. Um, I'm not anti-egg, but I am when it comes to giving the egg as a, uh, putting it as a representation of something else. Um, because we, if you do your research, you'll understand why we are, we are anti-egg when it comes to, um, this time of year. Um, we don't buy eggs for our children and put candy in it and have them find it and things of that nature. We just don't do that. So I would encourage you to please go do your homework before you do those kind of things for your family. So you understand where these uh, traditions come from. Okay. So once again, the ma matzah tosh, um, the different compartments for each of the three pieces of matzah, the middle piece of unleavened bread is called the afikomen. I'm sure you probably heard me refer, uh, mention that when I was talking about the last supper, it's taken from the matzah tosh, broken and is wrapped in a cloth and becomes the afikomen that is hidden from view. So as believers in Yeshua, we know that our Messiah's sinless body was broken in death, wrapped in a cloth, hidden in burial, and then brought back by the power of Adonai. Do you see the par parallels between the afikomen and Yeshua? It's, it's, um, pretty amazing to me. Um, another thing that I found on the Jewish, uh, Jews for Jesus, uh, actually it's, it's Jewish voice is another resource that I'm on, um, talking about kind of the similarities and the, um, where you see what the Lord did for the Hebrew people in Egypt and then how he also mirrors that in Yeshua. So we have slavery for the Egyptians, uh, for the Hebrews, right? When they were in Egypt, they're restricted by their captivity. The Jewish people were owned by Pharaoh, so subject to his will, and suffering deeply because of their slavery to him. Now, then you have slavery to sin. We were slaves to sin, unable to please God or meet his standard for righteousness. We could not have fellowship with him because of our sin. 
And then for the Hebrews, miracles. God caused astounding supernatural events to occur in the process of saving his people. These miracles exhibited the power of God as greater than that of Pharaoh. And they testified that he is the one true God. And remember, like even with the plagues I had mentioned before, like all the all the plagues have a Egyptian God that Adonai was basically saying, I am greater. See how I'm greater than all these gods that you have created. I am the one true God. Now, in Ministry of Miracles for Messianic Believers, Yeshua did countless miracles during his ministry on earth. They, they testify that Yeshua has both the power and authority to defeat sin and deliver us from its reign over us. And how amazing is that? And then sacrifice for the Hebrew people in Egypt. The Passover lamb was sacrificed so that its blood spread on the doorpost and lintel of each Jewish home, provided the covering required to escape the death of all the firstborn in Egypt. Because of the blood of the lamb, Jewish people in Egypt were saved from death. And then for us as believers in Yeshua, sacrifice. Yeshua's blood was brought into the heavenly holy of holies to make atonement for our sin once and for all. His death offered us his redemption. Through his shed blood, we have redemption from our sin. His life given for us brings us out of death and into life in him. And then lastly, for the Jewish people in Egypt, delivered and set free. They were given life in the face of death. The Hebrews were set free from their bondage to Egypt and were free to walk out of the land that had mastered them for so long. And then us as believers, free to new life, given life in Messiah. We are set free from the bondage to sin and free to walk in newness of life and fellowship with God. That's Romans 6.4. If God had not brought us out, we would still be slaves. Amazing. Uh, another thing that we do traditionally, um, and, you know, once again, not required, but it is something that we do. Um, they do. It is mentioned actually also in the Celebrating Our Messiah in the festivals. Um, but we also do it in our synagogue, and I don't know that they've ever read that book. So um, the ceremonial cups, it is strictly tradition. However, the cup is often used as a symbol of both God's judgment and salvation throughout the Bible. In rabbinic tradition, the four cups represent the four phases of, in Exodus 6, 6 through 7, I will bring you out would be one cup. I will deliver you is another cup. I will redeem you and I will take you to be my people. In contemporary Judaism, the Kiddush cup, the cup of sanctification. And then they have the second one is the cup of plagues. The third is the cup of redemption. And the fourth is the cup of Hallel, which is the cup of praise. For Messianic believers, Yeshua raised the cup before the supper in Luke 22, 17 to 18. And the cup after the supper is the cup of redemption. When he said, this cup that is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood, which is Luke 22, 20. This is the covenant promised to us by God when he said he would establish a new covenant with his people, which is Jeremiah 32, 38 through 40. Paul tells us that the communion cup represents the blood of Messiah in 1 Corinthians 10, 16. So you see, you can use it um, no matter where you are in your walk, but um, it's it, having the ceremonial cups is uh, kind of a way to break up uh, the different parts of the Seder. Um, you're talking, you know, there's a lot of different uh, 
things that you can do for the Seder, but really those are kind of the most uh, important parts, at least for, for us. Um, it's, it's seeing the similarities and being able to see like, this is what Adonai did for his people, the Hebrew people in Egypt. And this is what he has done for us even today. And I think that it's so amazing that we serve a God who had so much foresight. He truly is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And he knows everything um, that was, is, and will be. And I pray that you have a really great Passover with your family. Next week, I'm going to be going over the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And if I have time, we'll go over um, the next feast after that. It's funny. I actually just had my notes and they just disappeared on me. Can you believe that? So um, let me make sure I have this right. Um, yep. The Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Feast of First Fruits, which is, which is Yom Habikurim. Um, because once again, you cannot truly celebrate and understand the significance of these feasts if you do not observe just one. So I want to encourage you. Um, I'm now on Apple iTunes, um, the podcast portion. If you want to go and give me a review, that would be really helpful and great. Um, if not, if you have any questions, concerns, if you just want me to pray for you, um, you know, keep, I'll, I'll keep you in my prayers. Send me, you know, drop me an email, send me a message on my, um, my website. I lost the word for a second and, um, I'll be happy to respond if you'd like me to. If not, you just want to leave me a message. That'd be fine. Um, you can even, even leave me a voice message on anchor, um, anchorfm.com, um, forward slash Erica Lacasse, um, forward slash message, or my email address is E L M M M three at protonmail.com. That's E is an echo L is in lemur. Amazon Mike, Amazon Mike, Amazon Mike, the number three at protonmail.com. You can also leave me a message at my website, which is messy, messianicmama.com. And hopefully I'm going to be actually even posting the different verses that I'm referencing each week. Um, but until then, please just feel free to leave me a message. If um, there's something that you just would like me to, to discuss and see what, I don't know what my opinion is or what, um, my interpretation of what the Bible says, um, the answer is, um, I'd really appreciate it. So as always, I leave you with the ironic blessing, which you can find in number six. Um, whew, man, I tell you what, these, uh, seasonal allergies are really fogging up my brain. I don't know if you can relate. We've got the dogwood trees in uh, North Carolina that are blooming and, uh, it's really affecting me. So hopefully it didn't affect my voice too much, but um, it's number 6, 24 through 26. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Bashem Yeshua, Sashalom, in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. May you have a blessed week and I'll see you again next week.